Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. How do we like our martial arts? We like them mixed! Yes, the UFC is back in the land down under for UFC 284, which goes down tomorrow night. Perth, Western Australia, where a hometown hero and the current featherweight champion of the world, the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world, will look to etch his place in history in front of a hometown crowd while trying to knock off the seemingly indestructible force that is the UFC lightweight champion of the world. A lot to unpack with this card is... Listen to that music. I am jacked up as we welcome you to the live UFC 284 preview show here on MMAfighting.com. Thank you for joining us on the eve of UFC 284 in this historic fight. I am Mike Hack. Joining me in this venture, we have a couple of very special guests. First, let us welcome in the Prince of Positivity, the best friend to us all, the incomparable Canadian Alexander K. Lee. Hello, AK. How is the NBA trade oh. deadline for you? Uh, boring and uneventful, uh, which has uh, not not uh, people aren't taking it up too well up here. But I'm a I'm a slow and steady wins the race. Don't change horses midstream kind of guy by Kex. So um, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm dealing with the lack of uh, lack of excitement that we thought we might have had with the Toronto Raptors. But we've got enough excitement this weekend, which which we're going to talk about. So I'm not I'm already that was yesterday, Mike. I'm already past it. Here we go. And speaking of excitement, let me introduce our special guest, my fellow born New Englander, featherweight contender in the UFC, one of the most exciting strikers in the sport, a man who will most likely be paying attention to tomorrow night's card, and a man who thinks I am somehow the younger brother of his manager and head coach, Tyson Chartier. Let us welcome in the great Calvin Cater to the UFC 284 preview show. Let's Calvin, go, baby. What's, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. How you doing? And yes, you look exactly like Tyson. Let it be known. <laughs> oh, man. You guys and, and your doppelganger comparisons. It's unbelievable. Right. You and Tyson are cut, cut from the same cloth. Well, you got all the looks, though. Tyson got everything else. 
<laughs> ah, well played. Well played. You are from New England after all. So let's get into this thing. AK, I want to start with you. And I think you know where I'm going to go with this because this main event is obviously fascinating. We got Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. We got champion versus champion, number one versus number two, pound for pound. Gigantic fight. We have the interim featherweight title fight between Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. We have some pivotal matchups. We have some just really fun fights on the books. This is a card, obviously, that took some hits. We had Robert Whitaker and Paul Costa once upon a time. We had Kai Car France versus Alex Perez once upon a time, to name a couple. But a day away from UFC 284 as it stands, AK, pre-weigh-ins, what's the gymnastics score? Oh, right. I keep forgetting to uh, prepare these. I, th- I think because I, it's taken me a while to sort of get ramped back up into, I don't know, 2023 pay-per-view mode. It's above, listen, just the main event. I, I know, uh, you know, UFC fans... Most of us who came up, you know, uh, uh, in that that boom period, we're, we're used to, like cards being stacked top to bottom, and we still expect like you know maybe five or six of those a year. But I, I think we're in this age now. There's so many cards you have to get used to this one fight, almost like a boxing style event, um, which is no disrespect to all the guys fighting. Again, if you're a hardcore MMA fan, you tune in from the first early prelim to the final fight. I'm sure you're going to have a great time. But as far as name value, um, you know, even how long some of these guys have been in the UFC. It's a bit lacking there. But the main event is so strong. And I feel like if it goes well, regardless of whether rooting for Islam, regardless of whether you're rooting for Volkanovsky, um, if you just want to see a competitive fight, if you want to see someone someone just get dominated and blown out, either way, there's going to be some super compelling storyline, um, barring some you know freak accident happening, coming out of this main event. And that alone, Mike, that alone I think gives this event a degree of difficulty of, of 9. Four, nine point four. So I have lofty expectations for this card, but a lot of that is just on the, on the main event. So it, it, if if it could be the opposite, if the rest of the card is good and that main event's like a stink bomb, it could drop. It, it might not come close to hitting that. So it's almost I'm almost just rating the main event um, again with respect to all the other um, you know pretty decent matchups we have on here. Calvin, you're obviously a fighter in the UFC's featherweight division, but you are a fight fan as well. You you are a big boxing fan, and every so often in combat sports, we get certain fights that are, you know, there's major blockbuster attractions, and then on the other side, we get the best versus the best, or the best from one division moving up or down to fight the best from another, and the stakes are high from a merit and legacy perspective. And this seems like, at least from the merit and legacy side, this is one of those fights between Makachev and Volkanovsky. So from where you sit, how excited are you for this fight with so much at stake here from a legacy perspective? Yeah, from a leg- legacy perspective, I don't think it gets bigger than the pound-for-pound pound number one fighter in the world taking on the number two pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. So it's big, a lot on the line for this one, and uh, and I'm excited. I'm rooting for our 45-pound champ to go out and get the job done. But he's gonna have his hands full. Islam's, uh, you know, coming off a lot of momentum. Real, co- both guys are very uh, confident. Is what I like to see. What you'd expect from champions, but um, you know, one of them's gonna be wrong tomorrow night, and we're gonna find out who. Both of these guys, AK, they 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 just keep winning, and they keep getting more dominant as time goes by. Makachev has been a freaking wrecking ball, and a lot of his most recent fights have they haven't even been competitive, even for a second. And Volkanovski has had competitive fights during this run but his last three have just been ridiculous like the ortega fight yeah there was a dicey moment or two but for the most part dominant performance korean zombie fight he pitched a a no hitter in the hallway trilogy fight he pitched a perfect game he was freaking david Cohn, david wells out there it's as close to a perfect performance as you can get in that hallway fight and on top of the accolades these two guys ak might have the best fight iq in the entire sport volkanovsky we've seen many times during some of these matchups 
the, the second hallway fight in particular. But with Makachev, I think it's a bit more underrated because, like we just said, his fights just haven't been all that competitive. So we really haven't needed to see him kind of change course and change game plans because he's just trucking people. But, like, how do you view everything involved from a stylistic perspective a little more than 24 hours away from this fight? Oh, that was for me. It was for Calvin. That's for you, AK. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, Calvin, I swear I'm, I'm, I'm much uh, sharper than uh, on, on this than, than usual. Uh, uh, it's funny. <laughs> you, you bring up the IQ thing because it is something we've sort of discussed. And it, it always seems to come a little more with the Volkanovsky side, maybe because he's the smaller guy. But I think also people equate IQ with adaptability. And that's sort of what you were, you were alluding to there, Mike, where Islam has been so dominant that because we haven't had to see him you know, necessarily change gears that much. Um, I mean, he showed off a well-rounded game against Charles Oliveira, but he was, also, he was also in the driver's seat for the majority of that fight, which, again, I, I think requires his own sort of intelligence. But I think when people see um, Volkanovski get out of like an Ortega choke or figure out all these, you know, these angles that that Max Holloway, no one else could solve uh, over the course of three fights, does it does it three times? IQ certainly comes to mind. We certainly view that as intelligent. But again, Makachev also like, listen, both guys are coming from amazing camps, decorated coaches. Are, have looked to be nearly unbeatable, whether again, whether it's been one way traffic or whether it's been like Volkanovsky's had to do kind of uh, what well, we think he's, you know, he has faced, I think, the slightly stiffer resume. Uh, and for him to have triumphed over like that variety of opponents is just incredible. So, I mean, IQ, a huge factor. Uh, size, I think, is definitely going to play into it. I'm sure we'll t- talk about that more. There's a lot that's been made, not just about, you know, as soon as the, this fight was booked, the difference, the size between them, but now people are saying, well, Islam, is he struggling with the weight cut? Uh, is he going to go up to 170 at some point? Is he actually, you know, like a, a welterweight and just kind of kind of taking big fights at lightweight now until he can't anymore? So uh, I, I, I know we'll discuss that further, but I, I just wanted to make a note of that now because um, I know it's, a, it's an issue. Gallon, uh, since this fight was booked, and, and I've heard it more over the last couple of weeks, one of the top thoughts going into this one, or, or really any Islam Makachev fight against any really good striker is, you know, if you keep it standing, Fighter X has a really good chance. And in this case, it's Volkanovski. And if you can't, Islam should have a great night at the office. And, and the more I look at this one and, and dive into it and go back and watch old Volkanovski fights, the more layers to this fight that I actually see. So when you view it from that at, from through that lens – do you is this more of a can Volkanovski keep this fight standing question to you? Is that the biggest question you have, or is there something a little deeper to it for you? I mean, when you talk about what they say, I always keep in mind that they say a lot of shit, you know, and um, <laughs> that's that's their job. A lot of people talk a lot of shit, but um, on fight day we're gonna find out. Yeah, if, if Alex can keep it standing, supposedly he's gonna have the better stand up. Um, if it's the ground, they're saying Islam, you know, is gonna take him out. We've seen both guys prove that before. But we've never seen them match off with each other. So um, styles make fights. And it's interesting to see how this one plays out. I think Alex is right. He's shown a lot of um, ability to get up from the ground anytime he's taken down. Um, very rarely is he held down for long. And in that Ortega fight, you're able to see him get out of some deep submissions. So, um, you know, training with was it Craig Jones out there um, down under. I mean, he's saying he's got a bigger body that's... Uh, very capable at uh, putting on deep, you know, dangerous submissions. And so I think his confidence is at all, all time high, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see how these two match up together. Yeah. I love the Craig, Craig Jones wrinkle to this whole story. I, I think that's very brilliant on Volkanovsky's part to, to utilize that, that asset to his advantage. So AK, we, we posed this question in the community tab earlier today and it was on a heck of a morning yesterday, I believe, but 
if Volkanovski can pull this off, who is the biggest underdog on this entire card and win a second title and beat freaking Islam Makachev and stop this win streak, is he the is he the goat? Is he, or is he the beefoat, the best fighter skill for skill of all time? <laughs> is he the best fighter of all time? Is I he mean, the greatest fighter of all time? Or is he just simply in both conversations? Uh, these, these questions are always a little silly because and, – and, and maybe I look back on period of the UFC, you know, the mid-2000s, early 2000s, um, the GSP, Anderson Silva uh, stretches. Maybe, maybe we romanticize it too much looking back on it. But it does feel like there's something to be said about, you know, staying in your division – and and putting together seven, eight, nine straight tile defenses, I, people can say the level of competition on average is better now. That's fine. I, I won't argue with that. But those guys, uh, uh, Anna Silva, GSP, whichever champions you kind of want to name from that era, they were fighting the best of the best uh, of that. Uh, uh, there's, a, I mean, there's a few tile defenses you can go. Oh well, this is like a mandatory challenger. But that's what happens when you defend a title nine, ten times in a row. There's not everything. Not everyone's going to be this clear cut number one contender. So the argument for Volk is that even before he's a champ, he was the champion. He's beaten Jose Aldo. He's beating Chad Mendez. You know, he's beating really, really good opponents. And just because they weren't title fights and they don't count towards like, you know, this this title tally that he's racking up now, should that be held against him? So he'll have a case and going up and knocking off uh, Islam, it would just be incredible. Now you wish, you wish this had been built up a bit more, uh, kind of like when BJ Penn fought GSP, where both guys had racked up a bunch of title defenses before finally getting thrown in there against each other. But at the same time, how can you argue against the fight getting put together? I mean, would, th- would this fight be more appealing a year from now after, you know, Islam defend the title a few more times, Volkanovski up to like eight title defenses? Sure, but MMA is such a crazy game. You know, and we've seen things can change drastically in three months, much less in a year. So, you know, very happy to get it now. And if people want to say Volkanovski is the greatest of all time or whatever, the best pound for pound of all time after this, I'll understand the case. It, it w- he won't go to number one on my all-time list, but I'll certainly understand uh, understand the argument for it. And a Makachev win, Calvin, is, is obviously great. It's another brick to the wall of, of building his legacy. But obviously, I, I think the stakes are higher for Volkanovski if he wins because we're going to have all these different conversations and different discussions. So if your guy, if, if your feather, your fellow featherweight goes in there and gets the job done, what do you think that does for his legacy in, in, in this pantheon of all-time greats in the history of the sport well i think he's already on goat mountain for what he's done in uh the featherweight division you know he's taken out like you said jose aldo max holloway a lot of goats that we already considered um in the featherweight division now he bumps up another weight class takes on islam i think he's just writing his story he's not done he's not done writing his story yet you know this is just one win to add to his resume his legacy and um you know it's going to put him that much closer. I don't think he's going to be the, the the greatest of all time just after that one, but he's definitely in the discussion. And every fight, he stakes his claim to why you know he's that guy. Calvin, I wanted to ask you this because um, Volk's been saying I want to be active. So if I win the lightweight title, I'm going to go back and forth, back and forth, and defend both belts and keep both divisions very active and busy. And I don't know if I I, I think his heart is saying that, and I think he believes that. But to me, if he wins this belt. Like, why go back to 45 when you could fight? I mean, if Conor McGregor beats Michael Chandler, Conor McGregor is getting a title shot at 155. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. So he can get fights like that. He can get fights like Chandler. If he beats Makachev, like, I'm not saying the road's easier. It's still very tough, but he, the biggest fights for him are probably at 55. So if he wins this belt, do you do you think he's actually going to go back to 45 and try to defend both belts, or do you think he's sticking at lightweight for the foreseeable future? Can we swear on this? 
You can say whatever you want. You're right. Calvin Cater. It's, God's it's encouraged. Chart, it's encouraged. You know that chart where it's like the fuck around and find out? <laughs> I, I feel like my this is my opinion is like the more rich you get, the less weight you cut. You know what I mean? It's like, so it depends how paid he gets after this fight, man. If he wins, he just took out the guy that's the best in the lightweight division. So he doesn't have to move down, let alone making all that extra money. Like, need to have to cut all that weight. When you've sat in that, uh, you know, sauna or cut that weight and that last couple of pounds is coming off, you know, it takes a lot to get to that moment. And, I mean, he's already solidified his legacy at the 45-pound division. I don't know why he'd have to go down, like you're saying, to, to 45. But I do respect the hell out of him being busy as a champion. I mean, what more could you ask from from a champ is to go out and want to fight the best guys in your division and, and keep it moving. And uh, he's proven that he's done that to date. So, uh, we'll see, but I don't see him going back down to 45 if uh, he gets that fuck you money. I, I, I don't either. So uh, I, I, we'll get to picks in a moment, but this is a very fun weekend for sports in general because we got the UFC card. And then, of course, we get the Super Bowl on Sunday, which I'll be watching on an airplane. I'm sure you guys will be watching. So I figured for this fight in particular, since it is Super Bowl weekend, I, I created some fake prop bets that i wanted to present to you guys and, and see what you guys thought so uh ak i'm going to start with you um and mm -hmm. obviously we won't know the answers to these questions until after the fight so uh first question for you ak and then calvin i'll give you a chance to respond who will land the most strikes in the first round makachev or volk oh uh I'm, I'm, i have to say makachev because i am predicting a makachev uh, to have some success with his takedowns in round one and again i, I know People, when they're thinking strikes, they're thinking like, oh, if they're standing up and trading, Volkanovski's winning. I'm thinking Makachev takedown, gets a few ground strikes in there. I don't know how many will be considered significant, but I could see him landing like seven or eight solid shots in that first round on the ground uh, that have that score, that have Volkanovski paying attention, that have him in his corner kind of like, you know, all right, let's recompose, you know, before the, before the second round. We knew this was going to happen. So I'll definitely lean towards Volkanovski. Uh, sorry, excuse me, Makachev, if only because I think uh, Volkanovski isn't going to get the chance to really throw anything significant in round one. Are we counting agree, like, uh, Are we counting kicks and all that? Of course. Of course. Strikes, oh, of course. Right? Yeah. Not that I mean I think it's the biggest game plan to go out and kick a guy that's looking to take you down, but I feel like Volk's <laughs> going to outstrike him on the first round for sure. This, this is actually a really fascinating question. Like when you hear it, you might just be like, Mike, you're an idiot. But I really think that this is a real question. So, uh, Kevin, I'll start with you. Who shoots for the first takedown in this fight? Makachev or Volkanovsky? Uh, I think uh, Makachev. AK, do you agree? I, I think Volk's going to – I think Volk might be a little tricky out there. I think he, he might try to be the hammer in the takedown. In the takedown, I, I could see. Him, I'm not trying I to persuade him fainting. you. No, I, I could see him fainting. I could see him changing levels. I could see him like going for one, but I don't think actually doing a full fledged shot, like just just shooting in for legs. Um, I do like the idea that it should be part of his game plan because, yeah, listen, offensive a little offensive wrestling could really throw Islam Makachev off. You know, not not that I think Makachev is not prepared for it, but just like. You know, he's probably he's probably not afraid of being taken down by Volkanovsky because I bet he assumes he could probably just get back up pretty easily. So uh, I think it'll happen. Did you say oh, who will shoot first? I still think Makachev. I, I think we will see uh, Volkanovsky try it during the fight, Mike. But it's specifically your question, I, I, it has to be Islam first. If Volk does try, like you said, I think it'll get that, um, that factor. He's not expecting it. But at the same time, um, I, I, I think that this fight's going to play out exactly how people think. You know, they're going to do what what got them to this moment. They're going to fight, you know, the way they do. 
and uh, it's going to play out similar to how we think. It's just which one's going to impose their will and, and, and make it happen, you know. But I think they're going to fight how we how they fought up to this point. AK, will there be a knockdown in this fight? Oh, that's good. Will there be a knockdown? You know, uh, Mike, I'm the, I'm the prince of positivity. Yes, Volkanovski will knock Makachev down. Ooh, Calvin, there go. will there be there a knockdown go. in this fight? I want to go as far as to say there'll be multiple knockdowns in this fight, but maybe that's just oh. high hopes. <laughs> I love it. I love durable it. Guys, uh, oh. He's durable, and, and they, you know, I think they're going to go for it, man. A lot riding on this one. Calvin, over under four and a half rounds. I think under. I think someone's okay. getting finished. Okay. Okay. I'm picking decision. I'm picking decision. Uh, so I think it's, I got to go over that four and a half. All right. So I'm still going to ask you this, Calvin, in case it does go to a decision. So yeah. I'll start with you, AK. Over under one and a half total points should it go to a decision. Over would be a 49 46, a 50 45 or more. Under would be 48 47 or a draw. Uh, under super competitive fight not a draw i won't do that to the people i won't speak that into existence <laughs> not, not, that draw, not that draws are the worst thing and then you can always run it back somewhere else i mean it if it's again if it's a great fight i'm sure people would love to see it again right away it, it's you're holding up two divisions that's a whole other thing but that's a problem that the ufc uh, would be happy to deal with at least they have an interim title you know in the co-main event for uh, for the featherweight division but um yeah I'm, I'm, but i am going under i do think it's going to be close no draw it'll, it'll be 48 47s uh are, are going to be up there for sure Alex, me and Agreed. you, I mean, this is going to go one way or the other because I'm going over. So either one of us is going to be really correct. Or one's gonna be so We're going to come back to this after the fight. Yeah, I'm absolutely. going over. I think someone's someone's cards getting pulled. I mean, the best are able to make like find a way to make uh, – if the other guy makes a mistake, it's like they put it under a magnifying glass. you know. And sometimes you can't um, fix things until post-fight and you see what, what happened. You know, I just feel like although both guys are, are tough and can get it done, I feel like one guy's going to – uh, expose something and it's and they're just going to take almost make it maybe look easy I'm, I don't know I feel like this last one is is the proppiest prop of all especially with Super Bowl weekend and I'll, I'll start with you Calvin whose name will be mentioned more during the fight by the broadcast team Max Holloway or Habib Nurmagomedov man that's a great question um we got to find a way to put squares on this fight, right? You're talking about all these props. <laughs> this Super Bowl. How do we get squares on this damn fight? Um, I would say Khabib's going to get mentioned probably maybe two to one to, to Max. AK? I mean, the way this has been going, you're, you're just going to say Max Holloway, right? Because you guys yeah, have been 100%. against each other this entire time. <laughs> and, and listen, and I was playing to anyway because there's no – if Cormier was on the call – I mean, this wouldn't even be a question. This Khabib, like Habib by by a mile. You, it would have been like over under. We would have just done over under Habib mentions like like twenty twenty point five or something. Uh, so yeah, it is going to be Holloway because even though Volkanovski finally closed the closed the door, I thought he somewhat closed it after the second fight. I know it was really close. After he definitively closed it after the third one, he's still inextricably tied with Max Holloway, which is not the worst thing in the world, frankly. But uh, so I, I think it is going to keep coming, especially if it stays on the feet. You can hear a lot of things about how, like, oh, that level of competition going 15 rounds with Max Holloway, uh, you know, that's that's really what kind of had uh, why he's, he's been able to, to 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 adapt like this and 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 put it on Makachev like this. So, uh, yes, I'm once again in opposition with that with Mr. Cater. I'm going Holloway. I got an oh, over under for you. Not that? not that I want to bring too much attention to this fight anyway, but in the co-main, uh, over under one highlight video you're going to see of me and Emmett in our fight. 
I'm going with Ooh. the under. <laughs> I don't think there's shit to show. <laughs> wow. Even in like the, the promo before the fight? May, maybe, but you're not going to see my face in it. Oh, man. That's, <laughs> That's a great guess. one. That's my guess. Uh, let's, I just want to say, wow. I saw people asking, because uh, Calvin's here, they were asking, what are Calvin's thoughts on that Josh Emmett fight? I think you just got it. So I think anyone yes. <laughs> want to know how Calvin well, we're feels get- about that fight. We're we're definitely gonna get there, but uh, let's let let's make let's go ahead and make the official picks. Uh, Islam Makachev, the massive favorite, minus three eighty. The comeback on Volkanovski is plus three ten. Biggest dog on the card, AK. Can he get it done? Can Volk do it again? Will he become the champ, champ? When I when the fight was first announced, I had said my first instinct, Makachev. I'm just like Makachev bigger i ju- i mean i had just seen him destroy charles Oliveira, a fighter who i think so highly of so unsurprisingly i was like well makachev's not gonna lose to anybody i'd put him up against you know prime fedor at this point like i think he's so good so uh that that and that's was my thinking for a while and then i you know you do you know how we are in the media we dig into it we do all these shows we're talking about it we're talking about it we're talking about it you see start seeing all the different angles and then i started really to tilt towards volkanovsky um you know just think about his wrestling ability and and uh i think you know moving up to 155 he's pretty comfortable with it maybe this is maybe this is his weight class going forward like he said and um even though he'll be shorter he has so many other gifts and and skills and and uh and, and ways to make up for that but then i was like maybe i'm overthinking this <laughs> And so I've come back to Makachev. I'm like, listen, Makachev is the bigger guy. I think he'll be significantly bigger. I think it'll be like shockingly bigger. But he's already looks incredibly bigger. But I think even on fight night, he'll look if he'll be like, oh yeah, oh right. This is this is a lightweight possible welterweight against a featherweight who is just, you know, moonlighting as a lightweight, um, even if he does compete at one two five going forward. So the size is such a factor. The wrestling ability, uh, we all know Volkanovsky will will uh, you know give it a good challenge. He's going to get down. He's going to get back up. But at some point, that just wears you down. And again, I don't know. Maybe I haven't seen Makachev tested. Maybe he, he weathers. Maybe maybe he he, he can't weather the storm, I should say, if Volkanovski foils his number one weapon. Maybe this turns into a stand-up fight and, and, and Islam gets exposed there. I don't know. But there's so many ifs. I, I really can only focus on what I feel like I've seen, uh, at least primarily from the Islam side. And as great as Volkanovski is, and a loss does not make him any less great because, again, he's the guy going up. As great as he is, I have I have uh, Makachev winning a competitive decision. So I'm going uh, and still at the end of uh, in the main event. Calvin, what's your pick? What's the official well, Calvin Cater uh, pick? No surprise here, Mike. Uh, I'm going to differ from Alex, <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to let my New England loyalty, even to my own detriment, come out and stick with my featherweight division. Uh, Volk, I'm I'm going to say he's going to go out and get it done, even though he's going to have. Uh, a tall order and have his hands full. I'm just going to hopefully, you know, hopefully he finds a way to get it done because I'm rooting for, uh, for the featherweight. First of all, uh, I'm very proud of you, Calvin. That is a very, there's a very Boston sports fan answer right there. And, and I appreciate that so much. Um, heading into the Makachev Oliveira fight. I said this over and over again. Everything on paper screams to me that Makachev should just run over Charles Oliveira. But Charles Oliveira brought a chaos factor that can be like a mystery for every single opponent. Like you can have this man dead in the water and he will somehow find a way to invoke the chaos clause and find ways to win. I feel like competitively, stylistically on paper, this is a much more difficult matchup for Makachev than Charles Oliveira was just based on the skill sets. 
I was with you, AK. When this all started, I'm like, oh boy. Like, I love the the idea of this, but I think Makachev's just gonna do what Makachev does. I have I have leaned more towards Volkanovsky, like on the scale. If this is middle, I'm like here on Makachev right now. So I'm 48-47 Makachev right the second. I think it's a very competitive fight. I think it's gonna it could be two two. I think Twitter's gonna be like, oh, it's two two. Some might say three one one way or the other, but I think it's a very close fight. I think Makachev gets a big takedown late, stays on top late, thwarts a late rally from Volk to win a decision. But again, my opinion could change come the people's pre-fight show tomorrow. But I'm I'm fascinated by all of that. <laughs> AK, you look like you want to say things. No, I'm just thinking, Mike. I'm just absorbing, I'm just absorbing your words. Carry on, carry on. Don't, okay. let me, don't let me interrupt. It could change by tomorrow, but this is my opinion today. <laughs> today, yes. See, more New England sports uh, voca- vocabulary right there. So, The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. Uh, let's go to the co-main event, interim featherweight title. We got Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett. Look, this is a good fight. These are the two guys who were, you know, vying for a number one contender spot for a little while. Both got victories in different kinds of ways. And and yeah, we get an interim title attached, but more so it's to determine if Volk does come back to 45, depending on the result, who will be the number one contender for the undisputed title. So Calvin, you have fought Josh Emmett. You have shared 25 minutes with him. We have talked about this fight a few times in person, uh, International Fight Week. You're kind of sick of talking about it at that point. You're just ready to move on. But you haven't had the chance to fight Yair yet. But when you found out about this matchup, what stood out to you about this pairing between Yair Rodriguez and your former opponent, Josh Emmett? Just that I should be going to Perth and fighting tomorrow night. But aside from that, um, (laughs) you know, it's... (laughs) <laughs> shots fired um you know it's, it, i can't i can't knock both guys they did what they had to do it's just you know it's their not not their fault um uh, you know how it played out i mean i'm sure it worked out well for josh emmett the way our fight went in my opinion i st- stand with the majority and the the facts of the significant strikes and damage that you see in our fight but as far as yaya it's more shots fired where's that soundtrack <laughs> uh, let's go uh as far as uh yaya is concerned i never fought him i mean it's it's tough the way that one played out i'm sure he wanted to fight with uh ortega you know he had the shoulder thing and uh and it sucks the way that played out everyone loses in that situation you know so that being said i think yaya has um has more well more well-rounded striking and i think he'll edge it out on the feet i think uh, Emmett's definitely got the power factor, but um, you know, landing it's another thing, and uh, and I think the wrestling is kind of neutralized between them both. I think they both you know have adequate wrestling to, to defend, and um, 
I don't see it hitting the ground so much, but if it does, uh, I don't I don't see it hanging out there. I think it's be more of a striking contest, and I think I give the edge to Yair considering that. Gavin, you fought when you fought Josh. He was he was babyface Emmett, right? He was clean shaven. Yeah, yeah. So a different that? mythical uh, fighter. Coming yeah. So who knows? Is, yeah. Could 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 this be a, a mythical creature? Could this be sea level Kane <laughs> or uh, third round Derek Lewis? Uh, is this a different guy now? Because he look he looks like a completely different human being. Yeah, he needed something after the last one, so uh, maybe that's it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, Listen, I've been holding this shit in for a year. I've been holding this shit in for a year, and then you add an ACL injury on top of it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Sign it. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Uh, AK, um, what do you feel? What are you thinking about this fight? Look, it, it, it was billed as you know a precision and technique of Yair against the power of Josh Emmett from the beginning, and and I don't see any reason like why it wouldn't play out that way uh this is mma things often don't play out the way they are on paper and, and this is not to say josh emma doesn't have good technique and yair doesn't have power but yeah i do think the story that will be told here will be you know yair's sort of being evasive and countering and attacking from these sort of unorthodox angles that um josh is gonna have to deal with on the fly you know i mean you can prepare all you want but until you're in there with a guy like that it's it can be a, a, a serious question mark and same with the year i mean he's just got a minus p's and q's he's been in there with a lot of great strikers he's been in there with people with power uh but all it takes is one shot and i, I think josh emmett i mean well I'm, I'm sure calvin would disagree he took a bunch of shots and, and lived to tell the tale and uh dominated the fight 50 45 in his mind but uh <laughs> but i mean yeah I, my arms are, I, my arms are killing me my arms are killing me in that fight after <laughs> he really he really laid into those arms those those haymakers right right off your uh, right off your elbows and your your wrists <laughs> my shoulders were so sore man i gotta tell you <laughs> um but yeah i so i i think a lot of people will be you know if they're picking emmett they're probably thinking oh he has to knock a year out i don't know if that's the case again emmett snuck out that decision against calvin somehow so uh and by the way josh we're out there listening please i i'm being respectful to our to our guest yeah yes uh, yes mr cater yes <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. You were saying he okay, edged out somehow. Please. I was saying Chris Lee. Oh, Chris, oh, Chris Lee. Yes, ironically. <laughs> I, by the way, my brother's my real life. My brother's name is Chris Lee. It is not the judge. I swear that he is. He lives in Japan. <laughs> has nothing to do with the UFC. But every time people start talking about Chris Lee, I'm like, it's, I'm not related to him. I swear. Uh, uh, Calvin, I did want to ask you. Um, you uh, you fought Josh, of course. You haven't fought Yair. But when when a guy like Year who has such a reputation for like throwing kind of weird stuff, like strikes you've literally never seen before. Everyone, of course, remembers the zombie, like upward elbow. I've never mm -hmm. seen it before. Is that something uh, you would factor, you have to factor into your training? Or is it just something you kind of ignore and just say, listen, we got to prepare for anything, but we're sticking with how we prepare for, you know, most strikers. Because again, if you're, I'm thinking like for Josh Emmett, does he stick with what he usually does? Or is it like, okay, we got to really review some of this crazy stuff this guy throws because it's, it's very likely going to come out in, at, at 284. I feel like well, this is the football theme, right? Super Bowl coming up. I feel like Yard Year's elbows are kind of like special teams in football, you know? Could be the X factor, maybe. Maybe in the fight. You're going to have to pay attention to it for sure. But, I mean, I wouldn't base a game plan around it, you know? Be prepared for weird shit and, um, and get back to what you do, you know? Try not to focus so much on what the other guy's doing. Be aware of it. But you want to implement your game. And um, I know I'm taking a lot of shots at Emmett. But, um, you know, like I said, I know he came out, tried fighting a fight to, uh, to win. And, I mean, you can't control what happens after that. So none of this stuff is, uh, you know, 
I get it. It is what it is. But I, you know, bias aside, I just think Yair you know, has uh, a more diverse striking attack, and I think that'll just be a little bit more to handle. Uh, Emmett's power is a game changer if you get caught with it, but um, if you don't, you know, I think those kicks, long range kicks of uh, of Yair, are going to be tough for Emmett to get in on. But uh, a fight to fight, we'll see how it plays out. But I wouldn't base I wouldn't base my game plan around you know. Um, Things that might, yeah, yeah, the unorthodox strikes that Yair might throw, I, you know, kind of more worry about my shit, my shots, and I think that's what Emmett's going to be doing in the fight. Mm. Oh, that, that that special teams analogy blew my mind. I'm stealing that. <laughs> that's awesome. I will hat tip. I will hat tip Calvin Cater every time I do it, but I am stealing that for the record. I will be mentioning right. that in the future. Hey, I like I that. I mean, that some games team. have been won with yeah. special teams, though, right? Yeah, I mean, some I, games I, have been we've, won. We've, We've seen in MMA sometimes it's that yeah. special teams that that's, it gets it out of there. Wow, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> one elbow is Matthew Slater, the other is uh, Devin Hester. There you go, <laughs> special teams legends right there. Uh, AK, it seems like Calvin's going with Yair. Are you joining him? Yeah. Yes. On on this week, on this week, I, I do think wow. Yair. Listen, it's going to happen every now and then. I don't normally agree with uh, people from New Englanders, uh, even my best friend Mike Heck, but uh, you know it happens. And in this case, yeah, I just think. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big like quality of competition guy. And listen, Josh has been in there with some great ones, Calvin Cater, present company included. Uh, but I think a year also him going, you know, he's also fought Max Holloway, and uh, he's just, I think he's just got a little more diversity. I think diversity goes a long way. Just a little more, a big game experience. I don't know if people will disagree with me. I do feel like a year has had big game experience. Maybe that's not Josh, Josh Emmett's fault. You know, he fights who he fights, but um, a year has had those opportunities. Hasn't won them all, but, you know, has had his moments even in, in fights he's lost. Again, I, I bring up the Holloway contest. So uh, I know he's favored. I know it's kind of a boring pick, but I do lean towards a year uh, finally getting some form of UFC gold around his waist. Yeah, both guys have had pretty crazy roads to get here. So, uh I remember interviewing Uri Faber back in like 2015 or even, I think it was maybe even before that. And he was telling me about this, this guy on the come up, Josh Emmett, just wait, but he's been hampered with injuries. So he's had a lot of bad luck and that's kind of what's, what's happened. Like a lot of injuries, just weird things have happened along the way. He's been active, been inactive. The Jeremy Stevens fight took him out of action for a long time. Yair's had issues with the UFC and he was released and then he was back and He's dealt with Jeremy Stevens type fight aftermath as well. So both guys have had really crazy roads to get here. Um, but I'm also leaning Yaya Rodriguez. I just think he's a bit more dynamic. Yes, I think Emmett could wrestle here and throw a little bit of a wrinkle in it, but I, I just don't know how much he will wrestle in this one. And I think this one starts off pretty competitive. I think Yaya gets a, a big moment in the end of the first, and then that momentum will just sort of carry him forward. And I think he gets a third round TKO finish. I don't think this fight goes the full five either way. Um, but I think a nice crazy setup and, and finish for Yair, maybe a shot to the body that that hurts him. And then he goes in for the kill. So that's what my gut tells me. And we will we'll see what happens tomorrow. Maybe Josh Emmett can keep this train rolling. So uh, we also have J uh, Jack Della Maddalena versus Randy Brown, which is a great fight. These are the three fights people seem to be talking about more than anything. But uh, Calvin, I'll begin with you. What is the low-key banger of UFC 284, and why is it Pacaporta versus Justin Taffa? Honestly, like you said, man, I'm with Alex on this one. I'll go back to <laughs> I, I, I'm with him where he says 94% of this card is that main event. Um, I'm going to try to just, no disrespect to anybody else on the card, but just tune in for that one, pass over that co-main, and then just, you know, enjoy my night while watching <laughs> the main event, get me some wings. 
and then uh, get back to physical therapy so I can take one of these guys out soon. There we go. AK. Hey, listen, that's that's real talk. Listen, it's our it's our job to find these low-key bangers. It's it's uh it's Calvin Cater's job to be in those bangers. So listen, how can we how how can I hate on that answer? But I'll go way down the card. Uh I I really like this matchup between Loma Lukbunmi and Elise Reed. Uh, I think Loma is so much fun. I don't know if she'll ever be a champion unless they introduce 105. I think there's some uh, some fighters at uh, at 115 that are just stylistically and size wise will be an issue for her. But she's so fun to watch uh, when she gets that striking going, as you can imagine, given given her background. So, and and on the flip side, if Elise Reed upsets uh, Loma Lukbu and me, I think that's like that's a huge feather in the cap for her. Um, Elise Reed's really tough. Uh, has fought some good competition, I think, since coming to the UFC. And I don't know if people – I haven't looked at the odds. I assume – let me see here. Yeah, pretty big underdog, plus 230. People aren't giving her much of a chance, but uh, what, what a trip that would be for her to, her to go over to uh, to Australia and, and pick up a win over Loma. So, I mean, obviously, I'm favoring Loma, but what I like about the fight is that whoever wins, I think there's kind of a cool storyline coming out of it. And, um, and uh, either of these women could make waves at 115. So I'll, I'll go all the way to the early prelims. It's a good pick. Uh, back to you, Calvin, because, you know, you mentioned going through physical therapy right now. You're trying to heal up, but it, you're a man who wears many hats. You don't just wear the fighter hat and the Patriots, Red Sox, Celtics and Bruins hats. You wear the promoter hat as well. And you are the man behind Combat Zone MMA in New England. Uh, I believe your 35th or 36th show is coming up. And this is a big one coming up in March at Encore in Boston because I believe there's going to be some some special guests coming out for this. Uh, talk about that and, and who might be coming along here. Who is coming yeah, along I was just, here? I was just looking at the fight card trying to pop in on that last question because I really didn't know everybody else. But uh, um, I'm excited about that. But aside from that, yes, Combat Zone 79 at the Encore Casino in Boston, Mass. Yes, we have an Encore in Boston. And uh, the we have a special guest. UFC President Dana White is going to come into town his old stomping grounds and do looking for a fight with Matt Sarandon Thomas. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, the only thing better than, you know, competing in the UFC is just providing that opportunity to get the next crew of guys from the, uh, New England, that opportunity to fight in, uh, in the big show. So I'm really excited about that opportunity. It's honestly why I've been involved with this for so long. Uh, since I was about 25, I've been promoting fights. Like you said, we're on our about 40th event and, um, I'm just really excited to see someone from New England, hopefully, um, get that shot to compete in the UFC, especially in front of the boss, Dana White. So I, I know that, you know, the date's been announced. This announcement is out there that looking for a fight's going to be filmed there. Uh, I think matchups are going to be announced sometime probably next week. Uh, let the 284 fire flame out a little bit and then, you know, so it doesn't get buried under all this. But uh, who will be, are there any names that you can share uh, from the scene that will be competing on this card? Yeah, we got some uh, some guys coming out of the woodworks who's fought for combat zone in the past. Some day one guys. We got uh, Brendan Morant. He's fighting on the card. He's fighting Dan Rubio. Um, and then we also got uh, Connor Matthews on the card. Um, we're getting New England cartel member Tom Pagliarulo on the card. And, nice. um, you know, a bunch of top game fighters, as you can imagine. You know, I feel like Tyson Chartier, my manager, um, manages some of the best fighters in New England. And we're looking to feature that in front of Dana in order to capitalize on the opportunity and, um, you know, really feature some top level talent here in New England to get that shot to fight in the UFC. Will Mitch Raposo be on this card? You know, we were trying to get Mitch on, but um, he's a little back and forth on where he's um, 
you know, on a few things personally with him. So, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to uh, be on this card. But um, he was on the last one that we had at the Encore in Boston, and, and he had a great time. Which is, he'll probably be in the venue, just not on the fight card. Fair enough. Uh, Calvin, how much time do you have? Do you want to stick around and answer some questions, or do you get a roll? I'm with you. What's up? What are we answering? All right. I'm okay, let's go. Shots fired everywhere. Look out. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Well, let's go. Speaking of fighters, let us bring on another fighter, uh, undefeated amateur legend. Some say he is the top ranked amateur fighter, uh, not just on the West Coast, not just in the U.S., but around the world. Uh, Mr. 3024 himself, oh, E. Casey Lydon on the ones and, and the twos. Uh, and it's time for the peeps to let their voices be heard. So what are the peeps talking about? What do they want to talk about We're here with uh, uh, UFC 284 around the corner? They have lots of questions. All right, all right. Uh, let me see what I got here. Um, this is an interesting one. True or false? We were spoiled by Habib's domination that Islam isn't getting the respect he deserves heading into his first title defense. What do you think about that, Calvin? Do you feel like... Because I think Habib is part of the story, obviously. And with Habib not being in his quarter now, this could be a step, I guess... I hate saying like he's been in the shadow of Habib, but he is part of the story. There's no doubt about it. And this could be the first step into sort of creating his own legacy without Habib, I guess, moving forward and into the foreseeable future. But do you feel like because of Habib's domination and his attachment to the story that maybe Islam isn't getting enough respect heading into this fight? Well, I mean, it's also kind of what got him a lot of notoriety leading in, right? Aside from his impressive wins. um, So it's kind of a catch 22 there, but, uh, maybe a little bit of that, maybe a little bit um, spoiled by Khabib's domination. But at the same time, that was kind of so short-lived too that, um, you know, we're kind of robbed as well of, of all of that. I don't know. I mean, you're going to really make me lead off with this one out of all four of you? <laughs> <laughs> the professionals I, I, I mean, are going to ask my opinion? I, mean, like, I don't know. I mean, you're – <laughs> Is he getting the respects he deserves? I mean, I don't know. He's just the number two pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. I mean, that's mm-hmm. pretty good respect right there. You know what I mean? Promo See, could be tied, little, I don't tied, know. You tied a perfect bow there. He's the number two pound-for-bow yeah. pound yeah. guy in the world. I, He's the biggest favorite on the entire card. I don't, know. I don't know if I understand the question. How, how much more respect is he supposed to be getting? <laughs> well, how, how about this? If, if Just say if Habib didn't retire, Habib, the whole – and the whole Charles Oliveira thing didn't happen. But just assume it be one and beat Charles Oliveira two. Also, if it was Volk, if it was Volk versus Habib, would it, would we look at this fight differently, or or would you see this fight as the same? 
It'd be a bit different. I think people would be making the same arguments. Um, Islam and Habib are not the same guy. There's a, there's a lot of similarities, obviously. They're not the same guy. I think, um, as, as Jed would point out, if you were here, like, Habib has a bit of an edge in athleticism. Habib, is, I think, athleticism doesn't get talked about enough. The guy is just an incredible, like, physical specimen. In addition to you know his his technique, his wrestling technique that he's been working on since he was like a baby. Um, but he was also an incredible athlete. Islam's not a bad athlete. He's just not. I would say just maybe just a slight grade below um, where Habib is. So it's it's not it's not the same fight. But we would be saying a lot of the same things as far as like, well, we know Volk can grapple really well. We know he can get up from takedowns. Um, can he do that against Habib? I think I think the odds would be even steeper. If it was Habib, um, the other difference between him and Islam is Habib's path to sort of goathood. Uh, I'd say it was a little like he at least had the RDA fight in there, which Islam unfortunately could never pin down. You know, it wasn't his fault. That was a big one for Habib early in his career. And then he piled up wins against good competition. And then his title run, of course, was nothing but killer names. So it's kind of what I said earlier in the show. Like, I almost wish Islam had a chance to get some lightweight title defenses in there to to up his reputation a bit. Um, but as it is by the general public, yeah, listen, a lot of people don't know who him or Volkanovsky is, which sucks. Like, you know, your, your average Conor McGregor fan, for example, doesn't know who these guys are. Um, so that sucks. So in, in a sense, maybe they're both getting disrespected. But I don't know if Islam in particular is, is, is getting disrespected anyway. He's a, he's a huge favorite on the card. Yeah, and this would be – look, I, I don't want to keep beating on the promotion drum because we've been talking about this ad nauseum over the last couple of weeks. And I, I don't think this is being like completely underpromoted compared to past UFC cards. But had Habib been in this fight, this would be promoted in a much different way, mostly for something you just touched on, AK. Habib has – this fight is a this fight on tomorrow is a is a hardcore fans delight. Those who are tapped into the sport know how great both of these guys are and we are pumped and we are jacked and we are fascinated by all of it. But I, I make this I make this comparison all the time. If I walk to the grocery store right now and just found 20 random people and I said Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler are going to coach the Ultimate Fighter. 12 of them would react, maybe more. If I went over there and said, hey, guess what? Tomorrow, the UFC is putting on a pay-per-view headlined by Islam Makachev and Alexander Volkanovsky. 20 of them would look at me like I had 14 heads on my body. There's just not a lot of casual appeal to this fight. But with Habib, there would be immense casual appeal because people know who he is. He's the dude that had the back and forth with Conor McGregor and jumped out of the cage and tried to beat up Dylan Dennis in the crowd. Like, There's more casual appeal with Habib, more people know who he is than know they know Islam Makachev. So it'd be promoted differently. It'd be presented differently. And, but I, I guess I understand the question in, in that regard, but that's just kind of how I view it. Like it, we look at it differently because Habib, when he left, he was a star. Like he was a star. He got to that table. He was a star. Islam isn't quite there. And even if he beats Volk, I still don't think he's quite there. He takes a step forward for sure. If Volk wins, he might get a seat at that table with Connor and like the Mazadals. He might be at least at the club trying to get in. Um, they might waive his cover charge to get him in and go to the VIP section. But he's there. He's in the conversation. It, it, plus the crowd, it's a star-making <laughs> potential moment for him, uh, more so than it will be for Makachev. So I get it from that perspective but i don't think anyone's disrespecting the skill set of islam makachev heading into this one because the betting odds and how most people are viewing it suggest otherwise i think that goes back to the promotion and you keep saying you know the average sports fan not mma fan doesn't know who islam is or volkanovsky and that's but that's 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 dana's job 
That's Dana's job to be going. These are literally the two best fighters in the freaking world at their prime facing each other. Holy crap. This is amazing. Do whatever you got to do to watch this freaking fight, which is absolutely that's not even BS. That's not even over the top. That's that's true. And that's so I really do agree with all the kind of we're actually kind of off. the. We're actually not even talking about. the. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. And that, I get what you're the, saying. That, like that, yeah. these guys deserve more. That, that's these the, that's guys the, that's deserve the job more. Of Dana to I agree. tell people that to tell people that over right. and over and over and over again we're, we're so annoyed we get it it's the best versus the best you know and i, I know right. what you're and saying I, also, I totally agree with you what you're saying mike but i think that yeah. that's why you promote but, but this but this is also no different than how they promote most cards unless it's john this Jones isn't most Conrad. cards that's this isn't it most is. cards that's i know i understand that yeah. i understand mm -hmm. i understand that and also if we took off the the power slap glasses for a uh, moment yeah. <laughs> and none of those things are on social media. Like, would we still have the same thing? Like it's, we're inundated with the promos. Like, I mean, it is what it is, but without those, would we feel the same way? I don't know. So, yeah, uh, I want to go to, go to this. Sorry. You can read it. The question. Uh, has this card not been promoted much either due to power slap or Dana starting to promote tough 31 being Michael Chandler versus Conor McGregor again, yeah. Chandler, Connor, casual appeal it's going to be on espn it's not just on espn plus it's going to be on linear espn that's different and plus when it comes to like pay-per-view promotion i talk about this all the time this deal with the like they've won yeah. the ufc has won they have this deal with espn they're making a floppity jillion dollars every time they put a fight card on Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak went on at like 5.30 in the morning and they still made a floppity jillion dollars because those guys walked out and had a fight and there was a fight card. They've won. They've already won. But now with Chandler and Connor, we're going to ESPN. Dana's talking about these massive places where we could host this fight, possibly AT&T Stadium in Dallas, possibly the big stadium in Vegas. To them, like pay-per-view buys are cherry on top of the Sunday. Like if this thing does one pay-per-view buy or a million, I don't think it changes very much on the bottom line. But if they sell out this arena and they sell out Cowboy Stadium and they sell out T-Mobile for John Jones versus Cyril Gunn, they reap the benefits of those gates. So the promotion may not be great here in the U.S. because Dane and, and the UFC are well aware that we are on board for this. But the big objective for them is – sell this freaking stadium out let's get let's pack this thing let's do a 10 million dollar gate let's promote it in perth like we haven't had a card in australia in so long in front of people let's build the promotion there and i, I think that's what they've done like i think that's what this what this is all about and i get look the power slap thing is stupid i've talked about it a million times we don't need yeah. to get into it but i mean look to me i don't i don't know this for sure but i think this has first season of ultimate fighter vibes to it where I don't think TBS is like, hey, we're going to pay you all this money to be on our network. I think the UFC is like, well, let's take a chance here and let's see if we can get a time slot and let's see how it does. Let's follow it with, you know, let's have follow AEW and see if we can get some of those people to stick around. And then at the end of the season, if the numbers are good, maybe TBS locks them down to a long-term deal. They've already got the ESPN money. They've already got the ESPN deal. So, I mean, nothing really changes on that front. But if Power Slap gets picked up next year for the next five that's a whole bunch of money going into the promotions pocket moving forward. So I don't think the power slap thing is just there and we just see it and we have feelings and emotions about it. But if, if you took all of that out and you looked at the promotion out, if you looked at their social media accounts outside of the power slap stuff, I think you would see that it's 
it probably deserves more the fighters themselves these two in particular but i don't think it's like being heavily underpromoted compared to most cards i just don't uh let me say quickly uh, i'm gonna end this poll here got almost 1700 votes in the poll scale of one to ten how excited are you for ufc 284 49 percent 10 49 30 see 39% 7 to 9 so almost 80% are in the uh somewhere from 7 to 10 range so and again maybe it's like what we've all been saying it's just the one fight um the other thing I want to touch upon was there was a question not a question but a statement earlier for Calvin Calvin someone said uh they want to see you at 155 at some point they're like you would have bangers with Poirier Chandler you're you're doing my job okay Okay, you're well, I, I well, I pinned this one out. Did, did you have? Did you have it? Did, yeah, was this one yeah, ready to come out? Yeah, you're taking. Okay, you're, I didn't know you everything I've worked I, hard for. I had I had pinned it to YouTube. I had pinned it. I thought you would grab it right away. But anyway, Calvin, uh, what do you? It's been a long time since you fought at one, like a decade. You were a different yeah. man when you fought at one fifty-five. Uh, but would you want to do that in the future if those kind of matchups were were in the yeah, cards? Back back to that fuck around, find out chart. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> You know, I I ain't that rich guy yet, so my ass is cutting weight to forty five. Uh. You know, then I'll bump up. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, right now, I'm just sticking at forty five. I like my reach on these forty fivers, and then uh, I feel like I got that in the back pocket. But um, I didn't really achieve everything I've set out to do at forty five yet, so um, I'm focused on that right now. If if you did go to fifty five, what what advantages? In, in your performance do you think would come out like would anything change i just think you get um it's a good question i don't know i feel uh i feel like i'd probably have maybe a little bit more power uh, a little bit more explosiveness maybe a little bit more athleticism um definitely a full belly so <laughs> i feel good about that but yeah i don't know i mean it'd be it'd be something to figure out but for right now yeah uh 45 i've gotten good at getting there and um it pisses me off just enough to want to go in there and just, you know, unleash it on someone. But I feel like 55, I almost don't even know if I feel like I'd gone through a, a cut or a weight or a camp. You know, again, yeah. this is kind of a little easy. I, I, I've actually, yeah, I've kind of talked to some coaches and some other fighters about that and like how that weight cut, even though maybe in the media and even just general, you know, health and safety, it isn't the smartest things. But like you said, it does give you that anger, that little extra. No, I can't lose this fight. I, I've gone through. I've gone through it's so much, much freaking hell. Yeah. I've like, yeah. yeah, someone's so, gotta pay. <laughs> yeah, someone, someone's gotta pay. Someone's, someone's gotta, gotta pay. pay. Yeah, awesome. Um, uh, we talked about the prelims. Anyone talking shit on there? Yeah, probably. Do you, I, I, oh, I've you been ignoring this. Shit. There, there are some trolls no, here. Come on, let me get some shit talk. I want to okay, like, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you hear, you hear. Uh, Someone my, said my, my, my ears again too cauliflowered and my my it keeps pushing out my earbuds. <laughs> someone said someone said I don't even know what they're implying. It said Calvin hasn't like the uh, the last big win was against a guy who was long gone out of the UFC and fell off the charts before UFC released him. Uh, I guess that? the Giga. Chik- I don't know. I guess I guess the Giga Chikadze fight didn't happen or something. Yeah, I know. I'm like yeah, he literally beat. That was and that was a huge win. I know he was nine and in the UFC uh, and that streak. I mean the. Um, and that's the other thing. You're going to always see me signing these fights. Look at my uh, strength of schedule like you're talking about. Um, you know, I want to fight. I, I share that mindset with the champ. You know, I want to fight the best guys. I want to beat them all on the way to be getting that belt. I want to. My goal is to get that belt 
and everybody they're looking to have me uh, defended against, I already, you know, face beat. That's like the mindset. Now, going out there and getting it done is another thing, and it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but that's like my mindset going into every one of them. But, um, yeah, get rid of that guy, whoever that is. All right. Well, well we got we, we, we got we got <laughs> more. Of him. You you asked for it, Mr. You asked for it, Mr. Let's Kater. Go. Here we go. Here we go. I got thick skin, man. I'm from New England. It's, can can I just say one? Wait, hold on. <laughs> Oh man, so this is, this is like the uh, Jimmy Fallon show. I'm, I'm gonna have to look that name up. Get me an yeah. address. You better not be from New England, Cody. Oh no. <laughs> uh, can I just I mean, can shit. I just say one I, thing? Oh, this is he, he's no, he's okay, wrong. No, Cody, 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 you're wrong. I don't know. It's, uh, I'm sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> but last thing, and you want to know why, Jeremy? You, I mean, honestly, I don't even yeah. consider Jeremy a big win. I finished him emphatically. Don't get me wrong. I broke oh. my nose like an elbow. Oh. No, not to say. Yeah, oh. I'm, I, yeah, he's a tough guy. A lot of you know, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, no, like I, I feel like the guys like Arnold Allen, tough guy, you know, nine and zero UFC. Um, La Giga, nine nine and zero UFC. Max Holloway, you know, whatever his record is, man, ridiculous. Like Jeremy Stevens, short of five pounds overweight, you know, first one on the scale. I, I just, I feel like there's different Whoa. levels of professionalism. You know, he was on his kind of way People out. People forget here. about he, that. Yeah, these guys are over here trying to become a. a, a, a a champ you know i'm fighting guys that are trying to chase a belt it's different you know what i mean I, whatever fuck you cody okay. <laughs> <laughs> i'm messing can, with can you I, no no uh, listen cody has said <laughs> hold on hold on cody has cody? said is, he's laughing it up it's fine it's all good to, i think we're all, all having right, a nah, time see, that's and he, that's and that's how you cody, that's this how is, you this uh, is how we make friends in new england man fuck you fuck that's you, right you know? yeah 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 <laughs> yeah thank you after. can i just say you, one, one of the most one of one of my one of the most underrated moments of last year was the Calvin Cater victory tour after the Giga Chikadze fight because you had receipts for everybody, myself included, and I knew you had receipts, <laughs> but I I just I took the receipt out of my wallet and just handed it to you. I was like, Yeah, yeah. all right, let's go, dude. Let's That's go. Was and that was the you, know, best. you, you yeah. made him insufferable. You made my he's my best friend, but you made him insufferable after that win. I will tell you something. You you both I won mean, big honestly. On that. I take it out on Mike a little bit more because he looks like Tyson just a little bit that I want to, you know, I just want to go after him a little bit more. I forget who Tyson said I look like. Some some actor who you would know. Rob's Rob something. I forgot. No, Golly, I Rob, he's probably name. talking about Brian Caldwell. He's a jujitsu coach for us, and we always say Tyson looks like his twin too. So you guys could be triplets, probably. No. Oh, there we go. See, that's a show right there. That's a show. Um, before we leave, can we talk about one fight we've we kind of we kind of glossed over, but I think it's an awesome freaking fight. Um, Brandy Brown, well, the versus winner of Brandy Brown and and JDM. This fight is incredible like this is a really good fight i have to look at the betting odds because i looked at them this morning and i was stunned at where we're at jack della madalena a minus 305 favorite the comeback on randy brown is plus 255 i am favoring jdm to win this fight but randy brown is a tough son of a bitch and he's on a nice run right now and i just don't see a plus 255 for randy brown here uh i think this is a really good fight i think it's the perfect next step for jack della madalena um but what do you think ak if, if jdm goes in there because i think this question probably more favors jdm although randy will probably get a rank guy but if jdm goes out there and just washes randy brown tomorrow 
do we push him top 10 well, guy i mean at least a ranked dude right i i want to include randy in this question as well because i think i think randy has had a number next to his name in the ufc rankings of numbers he doesn't have one now i think he's been somewhere in the 13 to 15 range but he's certainly been around and i do think a win could get him a name uh I say this applies to both of them because I could see – I had to look at the – this is the UFC's rankings, not the uh, MMA fighting global rankings, the only rankings that matter. But since we're talking about UFC fighters only, uh, the UFC rankings, I could definitely see uh, Della Maddalena getting Luque. He's number nine. Randy Brown also could get that, a rematch, a rematch with Luque at number nine. Sean Brady – and by the way, I, I forgot if some of these people are books. I apologize. Sean Brady also is in that range. Um, so at first I was like shaking my head when the question came up. But if we're just saying like could they get one of the lower guys in the top ten, it's possible. It's possible. Yes, Della Maddalena more likely. He just he would have eventually another uh, another big highlight reel knockout. UFC's all over that. They'll, you know, push him to the moon. Uh, you can put him in the co-main or even headline a fight night card. Uh, Randy Brown would take a little more convincing, but I could see Randy Brown again either getting a Luke rematch or uh, or a fight with Sean Brady. So it's possible. I think either guy, either guy has a chance. Calvin, you know, J- JDM is uh, he's kind of in a position like you were in um, early on in your UFC run. You got to. Be on a main card in Boston. It was a huge moment for you. You finished Shane Burgos. It was it, it was a great fight, a great finish, and you had your moment. And it was everything you hoped for. You wanted to fight at the Garden, and it happened. JDM is kind of in that same boat right now. He's fighting at home. If you watched the press conference yesterday, him and Volk were like the two biggest stars of the presser. So there's a little bit of added pressure about you know be careful what you ask for. You you just might get it, and JDM's getting it. What would be like your advice to him right now? You know, you got to fight in Boston. I know you're so excited about that, but are there, were there different pressures that you had to deal with heading into that opportunity or is just, did it motivate you just so much more? Cause I think people handle it in different ways. Yeah, it's weird. Cause I came off a two week notice for my debut prior to that. So I had 10 weeks to prepare, prepare for at home in Boston. So it was kind of nice having a 10 week camp, long time to just prepare myself for that moment. But uh, I tried to visualize as best as I could being at home. Uh, I went to go see a Celtics game with Rob. And we were just kind of visualizing, making that walk that, that next week. And uh, it was a pretty cool opportunity. But, uh, yeah, there's nothing better than uh, than fighting in your backyard. You know, I'd imagine only winning a belt or something like that or, or a big, in fact, main event win or something has got to come close. But, um for me, it was like I didn't buy in. I never really trying to buy into the crowd so much, that that energy, because walking in there, I'm already on 100, and I feel like I'm trying to work out from that. Like, I kind of want to take in the crowd more on my way in, but I'm literally just laser-focused on this damn guy in that cage, and I can't take any of it in until I take him out almost. But, um, yeah, I'm a fan of both these guys, man, and where he's got the home crowd advantage, uh, look for him to feed off that. And um, I don't think those Aussie guys, you know, being in that building, I, I don't think that – that pressure negatively affects them you know that's earned pressure and uh credit to him for having that moment now he's just got to go and capitalize and a few quick questions for mr cater uh who does calvin want to see next in the cage i mean well let's talk about where you're at right now because uh i saw you did an interview with with farah hanoon uh perfect world maybe we fight at the end of this year but seems like if we're we're treating things from a realistic perspective maybe early next year but yep. uh where are we at with recovery is that how you're feeling and if so what do you kind of does, does the opponent even are you even thinking about potential opponents right now or are you just thinking I mean, about getting better each day after doing this i'm thinking after this i might go take a ride and visit that cody kid but aside- <laughs> <laughs> 
But aside from that, uh, I'm thinking, you know, physical therapy is going great. I'm far ahead of schedule. Um, but with that being said, I'm going to slow play it, man. I'm in my senior year of the fight game. I don't really want to fight in my 40s. If I fight in my 40s, I feel like I fucked up in my mindset. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but, hey, who knows? Maybe you play it as it goes. You can only kind of focus on the next fight. And for me, um, I don't want to rush into that. I only want to go through this injury once, you know? So my goal is to just keep momentum going strong and then ideally eye something um, – first quarter next year although I, I probably could be ready some for something by the end of the year but i don't really want to push it and try to get cute cut corners i just you know let it do its thing i'll be that much more prepared like i said i always say i never get worse with more time to prepare so first quarter next year is what i'm eyeing for all right and i like it last question for mr cater I, I figured this was this was coming uh so we get yeah. your past opponent Arl allen max holloway Kansas City, Missouri. I mean, what a what a perfect place for a UK guy and a Hawaiian guy <laughs> to fight in freaking Kansas City, Missouri. But uh, I'll ask. Maybe, maybe I'll ask. Yeah. That's what's that's where yeah, it's right. happening. But uh, what did what did you think of this matchup when it was when it was put together? Because I think I here's here's what I want to say, and then I'll then I'll throw it to you. Yeah. I love the fight in a vacuum. Like if we took just stakes away and what it means, and it's just these two dudes chucking hands at each other's faces i'm all in i think this fight rules but max holloway i don't know man like holloway has just derailed so many trains and the reason we're getting this champion versus champion fight which i love by the way i love i love this fight tomorrow but i feel like volk has a point when he says i'm just waiting for a new guy to emerge like someone needs to come from the ashes and be the guy and it hasn't happened in a while unless it's Max. So to throw in Arnold Allen is on this great run right now in with Max Holloway. Sure, if he wins, then who gives a shit what I'm saying right now? But if Max wins, then it's just like, oh, there's another guy that could be getting a title fight right now that is just kind of not in the mix anymore. So I love the fight by itself. I just was a little hesitant on it because – what if Holloway wins? Maybe I'm just playing it safe. This is uh, Patriots football in 2022 where we're not going to take any risks. So what, what do you think of the matchup and, and what's at play here? Let me ask you something. If Allen goes out and gets it done, do you think he's more deserving of a fight with Alex than maybe Ayer or Emmett? Yeah, I do. Kind of crazy, But it won't right? happen. Yeah, but no, it won't I feel like this is a fight that you could see almost as an interim title. Not to take shots at the other guys, it's just the way that the fight's worked out. It's not their fault, but it's just not It's very lackluster where you got a guy coming off an injury win and then a, a close split decision that I feel like the majority think went the other way. It's just kind of awkward, you know, just calling it what it is. But um, this fight in itself, to me, these are two guys that, you know, are deserving of, of an interim belt and that the winner is definitely a clear-cut contender to me. So, um, you know, credit to Allen for not sitting on his ass when, you know, he could let things play out. He's going out and, uh, and we're going to get some answers, some questions answered when he goes and fights Holloway. And we already know who Holloway is. So, um, it's a great fight for the fans and I, I, and and for the diehards, you know, I just like to see it, but like Shane, it's definitely a lot for Allen to take on. Um, we'll see if he's ready for that test, but, uh, I think we're going to find out a lot on that fight. I'm excited for it, man, as a fan. I'm yeah. honestly more excited about that fight than uh, interim title fight. And uh, like I said, it's not to throw shade too much at those guys. They can't control what happened. They're just trying to win fights. But um, this one, to me, is a clear-cut contender. 
Yeah. And if Volk wins, I think it kind of clears a path too, because like I said, I don't think Volk's going to go back down. So maybe whoever wins the Rodriguez Emmett fight is just going to become the, un- become the actual champion anyways. And then whoever wins that fight, you just chuck him in there. Even if it's Max makes sense, Max against either yeah. of those two guys. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to see Max Holloway fight Yair Rodriguez again, that fight freaking ruled. So I uh, love the fight and We'll see what happens, and hopefully this division – all these divisions can move forward. That's what I want to see. I'm very happy to see this fight play out, but I want to see these divisions move forward. I want to have – AK, I want clarity when we do on to the next one. I don't want to be guessing and playing the what-if game. That's a tough game. We can't give Otto points for what-ifs. We can't do that. No, I agree. Uh, I, I, like I said, on the Prince of Positivity, I am hoping we just get the best of all possible worlds on Saturday. A definitive winner in the main event, a definitive, as definitive as you can get anyway, interim champion. Some exciting highlights. You know, one of those, oh, nobody's talking about these other fighters in the card, and they show out and surprise us all. And who knows, there's a future champion uh, waiting under there. So I'm very optimistic. Like I said, I've, I've set the degree of difficulty very high. Whether it comes close to that, I don't know. That's again. That's that's gonna be on on the fighters and and, and how uh, how it all plays out. But um, yes, please, uh, uh, people tune into Otno where we hope to have have the answers for you. Yes, and I will be on. We will be on no sleep, so it'll be fun. No. Uh, so 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 join us for that, and you'll hear all the noises in the hotel lobby in New York. Uh, what is going on, like you did last week? So, uh, Calvin, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, I want to thank you for bringing the Boston back out of me. Uh, I feel like I lose it sometimes when I'm here in South Carolina and everyone's just so nice and they don't want to engage in in in, in exciting conversation. But uh, you brought it out of me. I feel like I dropped a lot of R's accidentally that I'll go back and pinpoint on the rewatch. But uh, once again, Combat Zone, big card coming up in March. Plug yeah. it one more time before we get out of here. Yeah, Combat Zone 79 at the Encore Casino. We're working on having a stream available if you're not going to be able to be there in-house. But if you are, um, tickets are on sale. Visit the website, czmma.com. Again, it's March 15th. It's a Wednesday show, so none of you got nothing going on. So you better show up if you're in the area. And after the show and after the fights this weekend, I'm coming back on and I'm coming for my receipts, Alex. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love it. Absolutely love it. That is amazing. Great stuff. And uh, we will keep track of those. So tomorrow, big day, obviously, uh, 5.15 p.m. Eastern, we'll have the People's Pre-Fight Show. Me and Mr. 3024 down in the diagonal for me. We'll be taking your questions nonstop from 5.15 until the first punches are thrown. And then I'm walking across the street to the MMA Hour studio. It'll be myself, good old GC. I'm told there's going to be a very festive set on the MMA Hour set. So 284 Watch Party, 9.45 p.m. Eastern. Shaheen Alshadi will join us. New York Rick will join us. Might have another special guest joining us for some fun. Uh, Stay tuned for that. Then we'll have a post-fight show. We'll have the post-fight press conference. Jose is in Perth right now just dealing with all the different time differences. And of course, AK and I will be back uh, on Sunday morning with the matchmaking on, on to the next one. Casey, you could hit the, the music. There we go. Now we're feeling it. Now we're feeling calm. All right. Well, that's our show for AK, for E. Casey Lydon, for the great Calvin Cater. I am Mike Heck. Weigh-in show. What time's the weigh-in show, AK? I forgot about that. 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 p.m. Pacific time. Ceremonials, 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. There you go. So don't go anywhere. Just go get some dinner and come back to this channel at 6 p.m. Eastern for the weigh-in show. So thank you very much. Enjoy the weigh-ins. Enjoy the ceremonial weigh-ins. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Thank you for watching and listening.
listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. <laughs> 